0: I have another special guest interview for you today. Today I brought on Elizabeth, who is a wife, mom of four, and the host of the Emotionally Healthy Legacy, a podcast for Christian moms who want to take control of their rage and respond with patience and calm. She talks about partnering with God in motherhood, spiritual encouragement, setting healthy boundaries with yourself and others, prioritizing yourself guilt-free how to grow a closer relationship to your spouse and children, and so much more. My favorite part of this episode was when she got really real about a particular situation when she had a three-year-old and a newborn, and her particular story really stemmed a very raw, real memory that I have that haunts me to this day, to be honest. I truly remember when I had a three-year-old no he was probably like two and a half two and a half year old and a infant and my oldest was playing with this blue metal airplane and why this three-year-old two and a half year old had a blue metal airplane I have no idea but he was playing with it and I was feeding the baby and somehow like I turned my head and that blue airplane came smacking into my face I don't remember if He was trying to communicate something for me and I wasn't paying attention, but I went into a complete rage. I completely lost it. I completely lost it. And I can think of another time where my kids were one and a half and three and a half. I was trying to get them ready so we could get to the gym so I could make it in time for this particular workout class. I really f- remember feeling rushed and frazzled and wanting to get out the door, and they were just rambunctious, running away from me. I was having to wrestle both of them into their seats, and once again, I lost it. I outraged. I I completely lost my cool, and that situation sometimes still haunts me to this day. And really, hearing Elizabeth talk about it and her honesty and her authenticity about it, even just sharing that moment, it made me feel a little bit better as a mom because I know how I responded is not at all how I wanted to respond then and that, that you guys were here with me on the podcast in 2020, that really triggered me to, you know, hire a mindset coach and have someone help and support me Through some really tough times. And my biggest takeaway from this interview was how Elizabeth talked about being proactive in your overwhelm like I do things for sure she mentioned this I do things for sure to be proactive in my hormone health and when it comes to overwhelm and overstimulation and motherhood being proactive is going to be really beneficial in making sure that those moments of rage don't get the best of us and I'm going to leave the information for how you can get in touch or get involved with Elizabeth because what she is sharing and the work that she is doing is so needed for support in mothers. So whether maybe it's not you struggling in motherhood, please send them over to Elizabeth's podcast. And Elizabeth, she talked about a breathing method and how that has really helped her. And I have been introduced to a new breathing technique that I wanted to share with you guys before getting into the podcast episode today because this method of breathing really challenged me because I don't take deep breaths. I am a very shallow breather and this method really encourages you to take a deep breath but also exhale with intention. So this breathing method is called 4 Seven eight. So with this breathing method, you breathe in for four, one, two, three, four. Hold it for seven, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale out your mouth for eight, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And Even when I do this method of breathing, even if I do this once or I try to aim to intentionally breathe like this for four breaths, so I breathe in for four, hold for seven, breathe out for eight, that's one, and then repeat that three more times, I really do notice a difference in my central nervous system. You don't even have to do it for a long time. I know Elizabeth talked about maybe taking five minutes for breathing, but I found that this four, seven, eight method, even if you just run through the process once, but if I run through it four times, I really feel a difference. And she talked about having your feet up the wall. I highly encourage you, even at the end of your day, just lay down on the floor near a wall, put your feet straight up against the wall. Do a little bit of breathing, even if it's for 30 seconds or a minute, or if you end up laying there for 10 or 15 minutes, you can work up to that, my friend. I still am like the three to five minute time frame. You will feel so much better. There's just something about that... Legs up the wall, it's really good for circulation and it's really calming for the nervous system. Pair that with some four, seven, eight breathing, and that's a really great way to calm your nervous system. And like Elizabeth talked about in the episode, she's going to get into some more tips for you guys. She has the free gift that we talk about at the end. You can find the information for that in the show notes. Now it's time to roll in and chat with Elizabeth. Welcome to the Living in Sync podcast, where we will talk about the biological blueprint of your cycle and how your hormones impact every area of your life. I'm your host, Joelle, certified nutritionist, mom of two, fitness coach for over a decade, and I want to help you better understand your cycle to work with your body in achieving your goals. I will teach you how to care for your body in a well-rounded and realistic way that caters to your season of life and feel freaking amazing. In every episode, you will get tips, takeaways, and just feel like this is a heart-to-heart chat with a friend. Let's roll into today's episode. All right, so we have you on here, Elizabeth, and I am so excited to get into our conversation. And I think what rolls through a lot of ladies' minds when it comes to bringing on and talking with an expert on that is an expert in parenting, they think... Oh my gosh. Well, she's just always had it together and never lost her cool. And so, have you always been such a patient and calm mama?
1: No, I haven't. You haven't? No, Please fill the tea on that. <laughs> so, you know, like before I had kids, I thought I was a pretty patient person. And then I had kids, and then I had another one. And then after the second one, I quickly realized that I'm not as patient as I thought I was. Um, parenting really brings like a whole new side of you, like so much changes, you know, like oftentimes, especially as new moms, you neglect your needs, you put your children above yourself in so many different ways and you get burned out and then you're overreacting and screaming and overstimulated and it just... And then you feel bad and mom guilt creeps in and everything. So I started to notice my first rage experience with mom rage was when my oldest son was three years old and my second one was born and he was colic and he finally fell asleep and I put him in the swing and my three-year-old comes up to him, picks up his hand and just bites his finger. Who knows what the reason was? And I lost it. And obviously the baby woke up, started screaming again, and I completely freaked out. I hurt my oldest son and I physically hurt him because I was so mad. I was so mad. I felt so out of control. And and then right away, I was filled with like remorse and guilt. What did I do? What just happened? What's wrong with me? I can't believe I just hurt my child because I was experiencing so much rage. And so that was like my first kind of like moment where I experienced it. And I was like, "Wow, well, this is not okay. Something is really wrong. And then I had my third son and my husband was a flight attendant and he was gone all the time. And I had three kids, five and under, like constantly overwhelmed. I wasn't working at that time anymore. So I didn't have an outlet. I was just home with them all the time. He would be gone for days at a time. And that is when I started to notice a lot of that impatience and feeling reactive and easily triggered and raising my voice and wanting to physically hurt my children when they wouldn't be, wouldn't do what I wanted them to do immediately as I wanted them to do. And I was just really struggling. I think as a mom, I ended up um, going to counseling for like my own, you know, struggles, personal struggles, not in related to motherhood, just other things. And then when I finished that, a friend of mine recommended counseling for parenting because my third boy, he was a little curious. George and steroids he would get into everything he wouldn't listen to me and i would get so frustrated with him cuz i was like constantly on guard i would never get a break and i would just want to physically hurt him all the time and i knew that's not the kind of mom i wanted to be and when I went to counseling, I was introduced to the world of connective parenting. I was taught about emotional regulation and emo- like co-regulation with your kids and stress management and, you know, healthy habits and mindset shifts. And that was like a whole new world for me. And so I started to implement the changes and I noticed a big difference in how I was showing up as a mom and my window of tolerance with frustrations and anger and just learning all these tools really helped me even be able to set a a positive example for my kids. For the most part, I still mess up. I still have hard days. We talked about it like the week before my cycle is always the tough one for me. I almost always lose my cool at some point and, you know, have moments. But, you know, that's not my everyday norm like it used to be.
0: Yeah, I have a similar experience with that. And before having kids of my own, I was exposed to kids all the time. And I was always described as you're so patient with them. You bring so much fun to simple moments. And then when I became a mom, that was just, it's like, I didn't carry that in. I know that saying of it's so different when they're your own, but why first, before I get into that question, I want to ask you straight out the gate, what are some of those tools and resources you have in your toolkit for moms? that are experiencing that mom rage anger just straight out irritation at moments what are some of those like tools in your toolkit that you suggest
1: yeah I feel like the biggest thing is they are completely burned out and that is one of the biggest things that contributes to mom rage you're so exhausted burnout, you have unmet needs, and it goes to like basics, like you're sleep deprived, you're not eating, your blood sugar is wonky, right? That contributes it to it. Sometimes it's hormones as well. But oftentimes, it's just literally basic needs, you are overstimulated, you're overcommitted. you said yes to too many things, you're stretched too thin, you had literally no time to decompress and just Take a break to breathe and like even use the bathroom. You know, like yeah, like yeah. you're just so much on your plate and you don't even ask for help because you know what? A mom needs to do it all, right? That mentality. And it all just collects, collects, collects. All those stressors build off of each other and it leads to that mom rage. So oftentimes it's not that like one single thing. It's one thing after another, one after another, and like your body reached its max and then you're living in that state of like nine out of 10 most days. And so you have such short fuse and you overreact so quickly and we got to get you down to like a two and a one. And we like unpack the layers, like what is contributing it? What is the one thing that we can do to start making changes and that will trickle into other, you know, areas of your life?
0: Yeah, what are some of those tactics though like when a mom is in that moment there's just she's hit her edge or how can she discover and put a pause into things before she gets to the edge
1: yeah so my method is i teach oftentimes proactive strategies so many of them i love that just like, you know, you teach also like a lot of proactive, like you support yourself on a regular basis. You don't wait until you're freaking out to do something like, yes, I'll teach you strategies then too, but if you are not doing anything proactively, you're going to hit that First of all, so so quickly and everything in the heat of the moment is just out the window because the part of the brain that helps you remember it is shut off. It's offline when you're triggered and when you're angry and when you're overwhelmed. So I always start out with like the basics with my mamas. I teach them about, you know, good sleep and the importance of it and setting boundaries with your phone or your schedule to make Mm, sure you do have good sleep. And then another one is making sure you do eat meals and you're not just living off of coffee all day long and you actually do take care of yourself. Um, Another one is creating white space in your days so you have some time to decompress. So it's not like you're you're not always go, 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 go from one thing to another, because what happens is your nervous system gets overloaded and then like your tolerance window gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So if you proactively practice practices as just like meditation or just deep breathing, right? Like for me, I get up before my kids in the morning and I will my kids all sleep through the night. So just a disclaimer, they all sleep through the night. But I will get up before my kids in the morning and I will like have my alone time with God. By the way, that is also super calming to the nervous system. Just praying, sitting in stillness, um, reading the Bible like that reduces like the cortisol levels. Just even reading a physical book reduces the cortisol level journaling like I journal journal out my prayers or my emotions and my struggles. And like I pretend like I'm talking to a friend and I'm writing it down to God Um, Those are some proactive things. Like I'm not saying you have to do it all at once. And that's why I work with my clients and we little by little start making changes. And then biggest thing that I noticed was like proactively doing a practice that calms my nervous system, such as deep breathing. That one was like super helpful for me. Like no stimulation. I would lay down on the floor with my feet up the wall. Love that. Yes, and like I would set a timer on my phone for like five minutes and just literally lay there in silence and just take some deep breaths. I would imagine myself being at the beach with like sunshine on my face. Or like floating in water or like literally just relaxing into the sand and just having my body like, you know, like how sand just like falls apart and like, and like goes through your fingers. And I just like imagining my body, like melt that sand is just like falling apart. And it's just even that just for a few minutes a day would be super calming to my nervous system. So then my tolerance level throughout the day was so much higher with my kids. And then we can definitely talk about in the heat of the moment things, but I'm just promising you in the heat of the moment stuff will be a thousand times harder if you don't take care of yourself proactively. It will just feel almost unattainable. I just promise you that.
0: Yeah. And before we move forward, I do just want to plug your five ways to calm yourself down when you feel triggered freebie. I'll make sure to link that to you ladies, because that's so true. It is so much more explosive when it has been built up and you brought up the the part of basic needs and that's something with becoming a mom i really did not understand how you know basic human needs got put on the back burner and i would start asking for permission to go take a shower be like i'm gonna go take a shower okay it's like wait what and it's just ingrained in us and i know you have lots of podcast episodes on prioritizing yourself guilt-free and Mm. i know we hear that all the time of like self-care self-care fill your own cup put on your own oxygen mask but that elevation of Prioritizing yourself guilt free, I think, is the second half of the puzzle that the first half is missing. And so with the women that you work with, why do you think we carry this guilt on whether it's basic human needs or making time prioritizing yourself? Why do you think that guilt is there that we have? or and or like how do you suggest women start taking that action to prioritize themselves but not and not have the guilt
1: yeah such a great question so where does that guilt come from i think you know some of it is just our own self-talk um where does it come from it comes from like society standards what we see on instagram you know like or even like, oh, this is what, you know, good moms do. They take care of their kids all the time, you know? And so we kind of like see that that mom that's working out and being at the gym by herself or out with girlfriends, oh, she's so selfish. Maybe you've heard somebody say that. And so like it just like deep inside like puts these seeds in you. But I also believe as a Christian, as a believer, that enemy really uses those thoughts and those beliefs that we see and experiences that we've had to really, really use those thoughts against us to keep us in mom guilt, to keep us in burnout. Because what happens is that when you're burnout like that, you neglect your needs, you're reactive. You're saying things and doing things you regret later, and it damages relationships with your kids. And that's what he wants right? In the long run. So I truly believe that like some of it is just from the society and the messages we've got, maybe when we were being raised and just from social media and things like that. Another one is like the enemy is really like putting more roots in those thoughts. He wants you to feel guilty and he's going to tell you those negative thoughts because his weapon is mindset. His weapon to attack you is through your mind and whatever you believe is what you are going to those are going to feed your thoughts and it's going to feed your feelings and it's going to feed your actions. So one of the biggest things is we have to reframe like, well, why do I feel guilty? Am I actually doing something wrong for feeding myself, for taking a shower, for even going on a trip with my girlfriends or out to dinner with my friends? I want to totally
0: put this into action like immediately right now because my guilt has always stemmed from if i don't do it that means i'm having somebody else do it there and i know my kid like taking care of kids is hard taking care of kids is challenging so it's like it's me giving my burden on to somebody else and when you said trip with your girlfriends i was like hold on pause because my husband and i are taking a trip just the two of us and i keep thinking in my head it's, it's not an option to bring the kids with us but i keep thinking in my head it would be so much easier just to bring the kids with us because I don't have to organize. You guys all know what goes into taking any sort of time away from your kids. And even I had a a girl's trip this last weekend and it was just like, I continually had that guilt of like, I know that it's hard to do the kid thing all on your own. And I felt guilty that it was like I was giving more responsibility, more work, more exhaustion onto the person, whether in the situation with my husband and I going on trip, it's my mom, my parents will be watching them. When I was gone, it was my husband. And so it's like, for me, the guilt stems from me placing what is re- what I am responsible for onto somebody
1: else. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's an interesting one. And you have to unpack where is it coming from? Is it because of some messages you heard, like when you were being raised up, maybe something that maybe you heard from, you know, your mom or some other ladies in your life that they would say phrases like that? It could be that. But I have always like tried to reframe that. Like, I, cause like my mom and my mother-in-law, they love to watch the kids. Like they love to, they enjoy it. The kids love it, you know? And so, and like my husband, he wants to support me. He wants to allow me to go on a trip to feel refreshed and restored so then I can show up as a better mom for my kids. And it's an opportunity for him to bless me. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity for your parents to bless you and bless your marriage because you guys are reconnecting and spending time together. Like, so that is like reframing that thought. Like, so literally creating a new thought, like, is it true that I'm actually putting a burden? Did they actually say that? Chances are not, Right. you know? Is this something that you just created in your head? What is the actual truth? like your parents are more than happy to watch the kids because they're going to have a great time with them. They're going to create great memories and create connection with them. The kids are going to love it, right? And so this is a way for them to like support you and your marriage and bless you. That doesn't cost them anything. Yeah, I think the, the reframing of it is the most
0: impactful thing because even internally when you asked where it came from, like I have a very... Defined sense of self. And so I'm not easily influenced by society or what I see others or even what other people say. It's very always internalized. And so I think that's why, even as you were saying that to me, it was profound and impactful. And I even then had the, I know with trips, that's like a big thing where I'm like, I'm really giving a boulder to somebody else. But I even think of it in the micro scheme of when. I make the time to work out, and this, especially on weekends, because I used to have the kids home with me all the time when they were infants and toddlers, and I would get time to work out, but it maybe be like 20, 30 minutes max, so weekends, I would do longer workouts, and I like proved to myself and also proved to my kids and my husband with like the dialogue and the action that I took after my workout that when I get in a good workout for myself, I come out of that workout more patient, more happy with more energy. And then I would come out of that workout more with more energy and more passion and just like a freed sense of self. And then when like never ever did my husband complain like oh you've got to get in a workout and i do think yes partially it's because um we see each other as individuals right and he knows that that's just something that's been a part of me even before motherhood but i really did prove it like if if she goes and gets this workout it of course he's going to support me to go do that because I come out of that workout room and I'm like happier. And I'm like, okay, what are we up to today? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you want to go get done? And it's a different energy. And so I'm just in my head kind of thinking with the new narrative that you gave me with this example, like how that can really help me with my own feeling of guilt, because like you said, there isn't the feeling coming from, the said people involved. It's truly internal. So that's really powerful internal work. And I think that's why I wanted to give that specific example, because I really did want to have the listener experience, like what kind of custom coaching feels like, because a lot of the ladies listening have never thought to hire, uh, hire somebody to help them become a more patient mom. And so that's why I wanted to do that little micro example, because I think that's really, really impactful because anger and motherhood feels so hard and so heavy and shameful for moms. Mm-hmm. I mean, what um, advice do you give to that mom? That's like, I heard your story of what you talked about with your son when he was little. I felt that, I feel that it's made, it's, it's haunting even. It can feel haunting. What is your advice to that mom that's like, I I feel that, but what do I do? Because I feel so haunted by that.
1: Yes. Yes. So like I bring biblical scriptures and like Jesus into my coaching. And so listen to me, friend the devil wants you to stay in that shame. He wants you to stay in that guilt. He wants you to feel like a bad mob. He wants you to have that internal negative thought because it negatively affects your mental well-being. And when you're mentally struggling, you're emotionally struggling, and then it all like makes this loop circle around again and again. Okay. So, First of all, like bringing it into the light. I'm not talking about go in front of the church and tell everybody what you did, but bringing it into the light to even in front of your spouse and be like, Hey, I'm really struggling in this area. Like I feel angry a lot. I overreact a lot. I say things I regret. I'm not the mom that I want to be. And this is not the mom I want my kids to remember. I want to have a good relationship with them. I want to have patience for them. I want to model Jesus to my children, but I'm so lost, so confused. I don't even know where to start. So like even just speaking that out loud already, like reduces that dark Shame of it because shame likes to stay in the dark, and the devil wants you to keep it in the dark. It even tell you, I tell you, even like me sharing my story. The first time I shared that story, felt super uncomfortable. But the more I share about it, not in the sense like, oh, it's okay to do that, but like, hey, I struggled through that. I went through that. That was wrong. That was a sinful choice, and like what can I learn from it? What changes can I make moving forward? Like, because I want to be different. I don't want to stay in there. So first of all, is just like bringing it into the light and addressing that there is a problem, you know, that is like super important. And then like seeking some sort of help. It doesn't have to be through me, but seeking some sort of support, there is a root that's contributing to all of that. We talked about little things that add up to it, but What I want you to remember is that you're not screaming at your kids because you want to. Nobody wants to do that. You're overreacting and screaming at your kids and maybe even experiencing scary mom rage because you are struggling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are a good mom who's really having a hard time. And more than anything, you need support it is really, really hard to get out of holes like this on your own. Um, Because I had help. I don't know if I would be where I am today if I just tried to do it on my own. God provides mentors and support and other people like to help us along our journeys. You know, that's why, the, the church has like elders and mentors because it's so important to have that emotional support when we're so flooded, we don't even know where to start. What is our next step? We're just buried in that shame and guilt. So if you're listening to this, I want you to know that there's hope. It is so possible not to stay in that dark hole. You are able to become a patient and calm mom, mom with your kids it's totally possible i have four kids i've been the mom that was reacting a lot with my kids and now it still happens but it's like maybe once or twice a month instead of a daily occurrence
0: yeah i want you to to just sit with that my friend that was so powerful it's so impactful i'm so grateful that you brought that up for all the ladies listening and we all need that reminder because you are so right when you you said the enemy uses the mind. Can I go back in time and think of all of the times where it was the enemy in my mind just straight up sabotaging so many seasons of life? So I want to just end with a couple two fun, quick, like hearted questions, and then I'll let you like plug all of the things of where the ladies can connect with you. But you're a mom of four. And that's absolutely amazing to me. What is one mom gadget that you can't live without, whether it's like baby, older kids, like no matter what, I'll go first while you think. So for me, and this isn't necessarily a gadget, but for me, it's my seasonal car kit in my car. So I have you're from you're, you're familiar with the Midwest area, but those 31 tote bags every season i fill that up with what specific things i want to have on hand and it's in like a car caddy so i can switch it between my car and like my husband's truck when the kids were little it was like extra bottle extra diapers extra outfits in the summer it was sunscreen in the winter it was like hats gloves and some type of like even cheap fleecy blanket worn around but when your oldest is potty or your youngest is potty trained and you leave the house and if you have that like car kit in your car you pretty much can get the kids in the car and not bring anything else with you it's pretty awesome and even if you still have to carry a diaper bag around having the emergency car kit I mean you could put anything in there band-aids extra snacks whatever But just having it in one spot, in one bag, in in my car, it can be switched easily from one to the next has saved me so many times as a mom. So with mine as the example, did anything come to mind for you?
1: Yes. I love the proactive, like stress reducing thing that you created. I had to because I was
0: operating operating on stress all of the time when my kids were babies. I was like, anything to like and it came in handy for friends. I was like, oh, I've got that in my car. I got this in my car. You need That's an extra so thing. awesome. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. You speaking on that makes me think of that big like wagon that you can, do you know what I'm talking about? Like beach wagon or like we park wagon? Yeah. Oh I my can... goodness. You're so missing out. Like we got that a few years ago. It's like the best thing. Like even like back in Minnesota, we would go to the you know beach in the summertime with the kids or even just like. I mean, it depends where your car is and stuff like even bringing groceries in and stuff. You just like it piles up so much stuff in there. And it's so nice. Even yesterday, I went to the beach with my, with my little one. I just put all the stuff in there. I put her right in there and I just rolled the wagon and try to instead of trying to carry all the things and just breaking your arms. It's amazing. Costco sells them like You know they sell them everywhere now, but that's been a huge trend. Like I've seen
0: Mm -hmm. moms not even do double strollers anymore, Mm -hmm. and just do the big bougie wagons. And there's like the bougie bougie wagons, and then there's like no, mine is a simple. (laughs) Yeah, I would be on the still works really great route too. So Mm -hmm. here's a funny, just a funny one. Which whatever comes to your head, what's a moment in motherhood where something happened, and you just had to laugh about it and not get in your head. Um, I'll tell you mine. This. So with my kids and breakfast, we had the running joke of like my six and a half year old has ate the same breakfast for six and a half years of his life, probably more like six years of his life. And he doesn't complain. You just make his breakfast and there it is. Well, the second born, he's a little more feisty and he's not going to have that. Right. Well, I always pretty much do a carb Of like a grain of some sort a fruit and a protein well this morning literally my firstborn was like i don't want toast i make like everything bagel sourdough toast with butter delicious and he usually always loves that nope he wanted saltine crackers and he was putting up a fuss about it and i thought in my head i'm like carb carb whatever whatever my husband comes downstairs (laughs) and he's like we're having saltines for breakfast and i literally gave him the dead stare of like, Mm-mm, do not <laughs> go there. And then as he like walked away, and I was like, just laughing about it because you just had to laugh about that moment where it's like, yes,
1: oh my gosh, kids do the funniest thing. So my third son, his favorite thing makes me think of food. Since you're talking about it, is peanut butter and jelly, that's all he has for lunch. So if I'm like at home and I don't know what to make. I know I can make him happy if I just make him peanut butter and jelly. So I would ask him, like, what was your favorite part about school? He's like, eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. (laughs) A little consistent. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what was your worst part about school? Having to wait to eat my (laughs) peanut butter and jelly sandwich oh my gosh I'm like I just couldn't like I just had to laugh about it he's so every day it's the same answer like he doesn't have anything else going on in school to him it's just him and it's peanut butter and jelly sandwich oh my gosh it's so funny
0: and you know what I always had sympathy for the food fixation with kids because it's like yeah there are times where I get on a meal kick and I just want that same thing over and over and over and over and over again and I am an adult and I can have that same thing over and over and over again. And then I had the thought in my head of like, well, why can't kids, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. we're gonna have yes. our hyperfixation food. So thank you oh so much gosh. for being on here today. Please go ahead and plug where everybody can find you and follow you and um share all the things.
1: Yes. So my podcast is called Emotionally Healthy Legacy. And that's the name of my website as well, EmotionallyHealthyLegacy.com. But I have a free gift for your listeners. It's five ways to calm down when you're feeling triggered and that heat of the moment when you're feeling like you're about to lose your cool, how do you actually calm down so you don't explode? And it's at EmotionallyHealthyLegacy.com slash living in sync. And I will give that link to you.
0: Perfect. Oh my gosh. So exciting. That's so Awesome. And I will make sure to leave all the details for everything in the description, you guys. Go make sure you, and isn't that like your podcast name is so powerful and so impactful. I absolutely love it. So thank you again for being on here today and we will see you guys in the next episode. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Elizabeth and I. And I wanted to pop on here afterwards because While this advice is so sound, I know that if I was in the deep depths of when motherhood was really, really, really hard for me, and as I've talked about here before, I totally think that there are going to be seasons in motherhood that feel more savory and sweet and others that are going to feel spicy and chaotic. (laughs) And if I would have heard this episode when I was in the midst of taking care of the boys and it was the pandemic, so we weren't really going anywhere and I had um, the people that I had for help and support were also taking COVID precautions, I would have sat and thought like, I know that I am so burnt out and I am overstimulated when it comes to motherhood and even taking a break doesn't make sense because I I'm the one that is meant to be with the kids all of the time. And when you hear something like this, you really tend to go into all the reasons of and examples that we went through of how they can't work for you. But what I wanted to encourage you with in this ending is it's one small step at a time. You know, I started with hiring a mentor and part of the reason why I hired her was I just wanted a stand-in spot for somebody to talk to. And then I moved to therapy and then I moved to finding more care and help and support for the boys and how really when I found that if the kids were, if I wasn't the one making the activities for the kids during the day, educational and um, social activities for the kids, it lightened my load in a lot of areas. And there are times too where I still feel like with what I do with work and what I do with the kids, I should feel more refreshed and restored and like I have Less burnout or less overstimulation when it comes to motherhood, but I really have to do check and balances on this too. And she's absolutely right when she talked about in the episode of noticing the cyclical nature of this too. When I'm in late luteal, I do things like right after the kids go to bed, I will take a shower and read my book and kind of just go into hermit mode. But if I'm in a different phase and I have more energy then maybe after the kids go to bed, I'm chatting with my husband, I'm getting more things done around the house. And so I do understand and support myself where i I know what's going on with my hormones in late luteal and so I'm understanding of why I feel a bit more overstimulated and sensitive seriously a situation happened last night you guys where even when I went to get the kids after daycare I was just feeling overwhelmed oversensitive and irritated and I really just tried to I put an earbud in and I tried to put on some like country music that was slow paced and like dinner was going awful though <laughs> like i made three different things for dinner because as i was cooking i was like we don't have the ingredient for that oh my gosh well that overcooked and it's going to be really disgusting it was kind of chaos but i tried to find peace in there i could also repeat to myself like i had a long list of to-dos that i got done at with work And I kind of maxed out my capacity right now. I just really need to restore. We ended up going outside and I was playing tennis with my six-year-old. And that was that physical movement was very helpful. That fresh air was also very helpful. But I still, after the kids went to bed, took a shower, started reading my book, and I went to bed way, way early. So I wasn't the best wife and mom, but I also understand like, That was just a day where my hormones were where they were. I got a lot of stuff done and tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow is a new day. And instead of freaking out and lashing out, I have learned some different ways to move that overstimulation energy through movement, listening to music in my earbud is really helpful to me. For some, it's putting in earbuds with nothing in them, so it kind of drowns out the noise. But for me music paired with movement and that movement at the time was cooking dinner really helped settle my central nervous system and then it was not bringing my phone outside when we were playing tennis that fresh air sometimes it's just swinging on the swing with the kids or by myself as the kids are doing something else what i'm just trying to articulate here is it's one small thing at a time one habit and then you improve upon it one habit and then you improve upon it or like my friend and mentor Andrea Crowder calls it stacking like you stack one thing on another is your first stack attending a bible study that gives child care so while you're at the bible study you're with other women and it's 45 minutes to a half an hour and your child is taken care of is it You know, joining a gym that does have childcare? Is it starting to trust that neighbor that's getting ready to babysit for you just to go get lunch by yourself and a coffee or whatever it is, one little stack and then improve upon it. Anything that you can do that is best, we gave a lot of examples in this episode. I know the brain is telling you, okay, but that doesn't work for me because blah, 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 blah. But I want you to sit with the question of, how can i start seeking more support to clear my energy clear my mood and clear my emotion what would be beneficial for me thank you so much for listening today please leave a rating and review share this up in your stories and i will talk to you in the next one Thank you so much for listening today, my friend. And if you loved this episode, before you go, can you share it with a friend or leave a rating and review? It's a small gesture that means a lot to me and helps the podcast reach even more ladies who are wanting to live in sync in a well-rounded way with their life, using their cycle as their guide. If you want to see more of the day-to-day stuff in my life, come on over to my Instagram. It's just my name, Joelle Cease. I will leave anything and everything mentioned in the podcast details in the show notes, so don't forget to check those out. Thanks again, and I will catch you next time.